and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we're speaking with Bob Westbrooks. He's at the Pandemic Oversight uh, Committee, Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, to be exact. And uh, we'll be talking about the CARES Act and some very interesting things there as far as kind of oversight and uh, some of the things the IGs are doing to look at that, that funding. So without further ado, let's talk with Bob. Hello and welcome to the podcast. All right, so today we have a very timely subject. Uh, we'll be talking about the CARES Act um, as well as the uh, Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. And that's my guest here today, Mr. Uh, Bob Westbrooks. Hey, Bob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Paul. Thanks uh, for having me on. Absolutely. Well, why don't you uh, give our audience a little, uh, first of all, just talk about what your role is now with the uh, the uh, pandemic response and, uh, yeah, what you're doing over there. Sure, absolutely. So let me start with just saying a little bit about the, the CARES Act and how the, the PRAC or Pandemic Response Accountability Committee fits in within, within that. So um, March 27th, President Trump signed the uh, – Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, um, and that is a big piece of legislation that was provide emergency assistance and healthcare response to uh, individuals, families, and businesses affected by the pandemic. And on about page 253 of the 335-page act is a uh, two sections that relate to establishing um, the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee as a, a independent accountability mechanism. Um, to safeguard really your taxpayer, my taxpayer dollars. And uh, tell us a little bit, let's, let's talk about the CARES Act a little more, and then we'll get into what the, the PRAC actually does. So, you know, and, and for everybody's reference, there's a great website, pandemicoversight.gov, where you can find all the information we're going to talk about today, and it tracks all the funding and the type of funding. But uh, just for the sake of the audience, you know, what are some of the major categories that the funding falls into for the CARES Act? So the, the total, and when, when we talk about the CARES Act, we really uh, loosely are referring to the, uh, the four pieces of legislation that uh, is funding the, the pandemic response. And the total amount is $2.6 trillion. There's a, there was a major component for aid to states for um, pandemic unemployment insurance. Uh, that you may be your 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 listeners may have uh, be reading about um, in the news. There was an additional significant chunk of money, uh, over five hundred billion dollars, for uh, the payroll protection program. Um, there was one hundred fifty billion dollars or uh, billion dollars to the states for the coronavirus relief fund, and significant sums to uh, for medical providers as well. So those are some of the the major components. Um, of the uh, the combined acts right yeah and you can go to the website and we'll talk about the tracker in a minute but um yeah you know there's even some specific money for airline industry farming industry all kinds of interesting uh different breakouts here and there's multiple agencies obviously involved in here um but now why don't we uh let's pivot a little bit here to your so you're the executive director over there now of the uh of the PRAC maybe tell us a little bit more about the goals of uh of that committee Sure, absolutely. So, you know, when you're talking about $2.6 trillion and you're talking about new federal programs and money that needs to be given out quickly, um, 
there's always a higher risk of, uh, of waste and, and fraud. So Congress created this new mechanism, this committee, the PRAC, which is a committee of the Council of IGs on Integrity and Efficiency, SIGI, which a lot of folks I know are very familiar with. So there are 21 IGs that are actually on the PRAC. They're committee members of the PRAC. Um, I'm the executive director, so I supervise the committee functions and uh, the full-time committee staff. We have about 11 uh, committee staff members on board right now. We're in the hiring we're in the process of hiring an additional one, and we'll probably plus up a few more from that. So uh, we really have three main lines of business. Uh, one is promoting transparency. You talked about the pandemicoversight.gov website, which uh, we're uh, mandated by statute to run to not only report on federal spending, but also the federal coronavirus response and provide accountability information, uh, which consists of uh, IG reports on in, the, in this particular area as well as open audit recommendations. Uh, and then our second line of business is oversight and accountability, which is similar to what an, an IG office would be sort of the combined investigative and audit functions. Um, and there we, you know, we coordinate um, and conduct oversight, um, you know, cross government, cross uh, program and agency boundaries. And our third line of business is just as important for us, which is outreach and engagement. Um, these are your tax dollars. We want to engage as many citizen watchdogs as possible, and that means we need to engage with uh, various segments of uh, of our population. And uh, so we're committed to that with our what we call our O and E group. So those are our three lines of business. And uh, so let's talk about this. So I know uh, some of the other acts that came out, you know, a few years back, they had these uh, provisions for oversight, but also audits, you know, the IGs to audit uh, the programs. So how does that work for the CARES Act? Who, who's performing audits? Who's required to perform audits? So the IGs are, you know, still uh, provide a significant role, right? They are the ones that have the institutional knowledge of agency programs. Um, and uh, we certainly respect that they've got the ongoing relationships with, uh, with agency management. So much of the oversight is being conducted um, by the individual IGs, but there's also, this is an unprecedented crisis, right? And policymakers and the American people, they need, they need insights now um, on implementation of this act. So uh, that requires us to kind of fill the gaps between the, the IGs or to help uh, aid them in providing more agile oversight. So what you're seeing, which is fascinating from a, from an oversight perspective, you're seeing this pivot in the community. You're seeing both individual IGs and then our own offices doing work as well separately or, you know, in conjunction with the IGs. You're seeing different types of audits being, audit type stuff work being conducted. You know, it's some IGs are doing yellow book type audits, but they're doing it with a different scope and methodology and getting products on the street much, much quicker than they were before. Um, we're using other professional standards, including SIGI evaluation standards, the blue book to, to issue some of these reports, but that's, that's what you're seeing. Um, so it's, you know, who's doing the work right now. It's individual IGs. We have some cross agency projects that we're working on right now. One is, um, COVID testing across federal agencies, you know, before the CARES Act and the PRAC. You would have, you know, a couple of IGs that would do individual reports in this area. 
But the PRAC enables us to combine our resources and look across the entire federal domain from HHS to VA to DOD to um, GSA to the Department of Justice, all these components that have a piece of, uh, of public health. Um, we are bringing them together. Now we're doing a, um, a project on looking in that space, evaluating um, testing across the government. We're also doing a similar approach um, related to first-time vendors or um, uh, particularly those that receive sole source contracts um, under the CARES Act. You know, that would certainly be a high-risk indicator. And um, so we're now looking across government agencies and bringing together a number of IGs to tackle these projects. And that's really the the uh, the beauty and value of the of the CARES Act and the and the PRAC is is bringing these resources together for a common purpose. Right, and um, you know, I guess give us a feel for the the number of audits that are pretty much ongoing or reports have already been issued on the, on this. Yeah, so we just uh, we're just about to issue our uh, first semi annual report, uh, which would be the first six months of existence. So um, there's been a total of we'll be reporting a total of 88 oversight reports um, that have been issued, which is a very, very high number in a short period of time. 26 IGs have issued that total number of 88 reports. Um, we have about uh, 110, 115 ongoing oversight projects right now across the IG community. That's a very, you know, related to, to COVID. That's a very high number. Um, that's on just on the audit side, you know, on the investigative side, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, momentarily, you know, there's been tremendous results, particularly with the uh, the fraud that we've seen in the payroll protection program. You know, there's been, um, you know, 215 indictments and complaints just in this six-month period with 155 arrests. So um, there's been a lot of work across the community. Wow, some yeah. of the things I do want to, and some of the things, Paul, I do want to mention, you know, some of the reports those are just numbers when we talk about oversight reports, but um, I do want to give your audience a sense of the important issues we're tackling as a community. You know, a lot of times we're talking about dollars as IGs, right? We're counting the beans, but we're really talking about some important issues, you know, whether it's, you know, PPE equipment and inventory levels at hospitals, uh, you know, very important issue, whether we're talking about how foreclosure relief for those folks that are affected that might be, um, you know, subject to foreclosure and the CARES Act gave them relief, you know, are they getting the information they need? Um, election mail, the Postal Service has done audit work on the processing of election mail, very timely issue. You know, health care is a big issue and better, you know, the VA OIG has done tremendous work, inspections and other types of projects looking at um, are our veterans getting the proper level of health care uh, during this pandemic. And of course, GSA has done work on federal employees and, and so forth. So that's just an idea of some of the, you know, both on the, uh, we're addressing both the covered funds, we call covered funds under the law, the, the pandemic spending, and we're also look at the uh, federal pandemic response. Right. So it's not just how is all this money being spent, but what's the effectiveness of these programs, right? Exactly right. And uh, what's the effect of programs on on public health, right? It's all about keeping people safe, whether they're federal employees or um, prisoners that are detained in our Bureau of Prisons or other detainees in ICE facilities, right? We have an obligation to keep them safe. And so IGs are the 
you know, independent eyes and ears out there to uh, provide answers to, to policymakers and the, and the American public. So just one little question about the just the coordination effort. I'm sure it's pretty uh, tricky. I mean, you're, you're working with IGs across all these different agencies. I was just curious, um, you know, for some of those audits you mentioned, I mean, did all these IGs just pretty much come up with these and bring them all, you know, bring them all to to you guys and just or, or are you guys collaborating on ideas for audits or how, how does the how do you guys kind of get come together to come up for, you know, with a scope of different things that the effort should be doing? Yeah, that's a great question. So, right, individual IGs, this is just this is an important piece of the work, but they've got other responsibilities, right, as, uh, as well outside of the CARES Act and the and the pandemic. So, you know, they develop their own independent work plans. They modify their work plans as needed to address new issues and emerging issues like uh, the pandemic. Um, we we have on our website all of the open projects right now. That's how we keep visibility on what kind of work is being done around the community. Um, we um, we you know, we've got a couple of jobs in the works now where we've they're sort of self-initiated topics. Or for for example, one is the sole source first-time vendors, where we say, hey, let's bring a couple of IGs together to look at this. Um, we had um, HHSOIG, which is clearly a, a major leader in, in healthcare in a significant office, um, you know, they proposed doing a, a joint OIG project on the, the testing project that I referred to. So it's a combination on, on how these things come forward, but we're not coordinated in the sense that we don't dictate to IGs what jobs they should or shouldn't do. There's tremendous discretion that is uh, still given um, to them. Our job is to be a force multiplier um, not to be a, a super IG over top of them. Right. Well, and yeah, and back to think, I think one of the first uh, goals you had mentioned was the the website. Can you talk a little bit more about the website? What, you know, what is it, uh, what is displayed there? What are these trackers? What, what are you guys trying to do with the website? Absolutely. So pandemicoversight.gov is the website that has the independent federal uh, spending and coronavirus response data. Um, we were mandated under the CARES Act to establish a website within 30 days of issuance of the act. So by April 27th, we had to have a web public website up and running. Um, so it took uh, folks in the community working day and night to get to accomplish that. And there was a lot of heavy lifting from our, our partners at the Postal Service OIG uh, who helped uh, lead that effort. The idea is that Anybody in the public can go to this website, and it's citizen-focused, it's comprehensible, easy to understand, it's comprehensive, and it really connects data points. And what we, what we want to do, what we're trying to accomplish with this, is to tell a story about who's receiving the CARES Act funding and how and where is it being used. Um, this is one of those things where we are not only Congress, but the IG community is leveraging uh, some of the lessons learned from the recovery board. And they had tremendous success with their website. And the fundamental philosophy here is you want to engage and create citizen IGs, right? Citizen watchdogs that have the ability in their community to go on a website and very easily search and say, you know, there's a sign out in front of a public building that says my local town is building a new library. Um, I want to go and research that and find out if what the city is saying actually jives with the, the public spending data. Or 
I know business owners in my community that may have gotten PPP loans. I want to see what uh, what is online related to that. So the website, the purpose of the website is really to, to connect the dots and to tell the story. Yeah, and I'm looking at it here, and it's it's, it's got some great information. Like you said, you know, the major categories, the agencies, uh, you know, the, the different agencies that are contributing to, you know, same some of the similar programs, even like a, a map across the U.S. of where the money's going. Um, so this is really good good stuff here. It looks like uh, some of the things I've seen on things like the USA Spending Data Lab, and yeah, so I think there's some great yeah. stuff here. Um, exactly. So yeah. there's there's the visualizations. There's the the mapping technology and the search technology there. There's you know top ten lists. Um, there's all the you know and uh, very importantly, there's a hotline button for people people to uh, file complaints with us. We'll make sure it gets to the right IG. Um, and we have a feedback mechanism on there. We want we're in this for the next five years plus, and we want to continuously improve our website to meet the needs of our citizen watchdogs. So we want feedback from people on functionality, and, and we, we we want to hear from you. So please feel free. And uh, also on here, which is our next subject, you know, and a lot of the things that accountants and auditors love to talk about, but uh, some of the uh, fraud and things that, that you all have identified, um, maybe just uh, give us a good little story here. You know, what, what are some things you guys are finding? I think the PPP is uh, definitely a, a subject here that is of interest in the fraud arena. Yeah. You know, when I think of, uh, of uh, fraud with the CARES Act and, and um you know, I have 26 years in the in the oversight business. Uh, most of that time, vast majority as an investigator, I've not seen anything remotely close to this in the in the magnitude and brazenness of the fraud in the the PPP area. It was a press conference September 10th, Department of Justice, um, where they announced the first 50 defendants, um, and they've brought in a, a, you know these cases pretty quickly through the judicial system. Um, that involves you know, combined about $175 million in attempted losses, $70 million in actual losses. Now, you know, we're talking CARES Act money. That seems like a small dollar amount, but um, that is a large amount of fraud. And, but that's just one program with the Small Business Administration. They've got another program that's got significant problems, uh, which is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, or they call it IDLE. Um, the uh, there's a report uh, on our website that the SBA OIG issued related to as a fraud alert in that program. Um, they've received, the IG has received 5,000 uh, contacts or complaints of suspected fraud from financial institutions themselves reporting attempted frauds within their program. Nine financial institutions have reported a combined $187 million in suspected fraudulent transactions with the idle program. So there's a lot there, but that's just small dollars compared to what we're seeing in the unemployment insurance area. That of course is a program that's funded through uh, department of labor, but the, but the program is administered by the states, right? So you're dealing with 50 plus, you're dealing with the 50 states own individual systems with, um, unemployment insurance, that program, the uh, Department of Labor OIG has issued a number of reports related to um, insufficient fraud controls in that program. They suspect and estimate that there's $26 billion, with a B, dollars in improper payments 
with the pandemic unemployment insurance, and they estimate, based upon Department of Labor's own fraud estimates, they estimate there's $8 billion, with a B, fraud in the pandemic unemployment insurance program. Um, to give you a sense of, uh, of scope, um, Department of Labor last year paid out like $26 billion total in unemployment insurance, and it would, you know, 10 times that was the increase with the CARES Act. So um, that's a lot of money that we're talking about, right? That's the, that's the big stuff that, that we're seeing. Um, we're seeing everything from the low-hanging fruit from the, uh, the fraudsters that are buying Lamborghinis and going to Las Vegas and getting arrested almost immediately. We're seeing cases involving the dark web and synthetic or unauth- uh, synthetic uh, uh, IDs. Um, one case and with the IDLE program, um, one case involved about 15,000 synthetic IDs. Um, the individual you know, involved in the fraud at, was associated with 15,000 synthetic IDs. So um, we're seeing a lot of fraud. We're, as a community, we're working very closely to share information. There's a lot of collaboration among the IGs on the investigative side. So you see a lot of joint cases. I don't, I know very few cases are worked by a single IG. They're working it in partnership with their IG partners and with our traditional law enforcement partners. They've really uh, stepped into this void as well. So you're seeing a very heavy presence with the FBI, the U.S. Secret Service, um, uh, Homeland Security, and, and other agencies. Yeah, and I want to get a little bit more into this, but uh, first I have opportunity for one of my favorite jokes here. Uh, you mentioned, you know, we're talking billions with a B, and uh, the old joke is, you know, what's the difference between a million and, and a billion? And the answer is about a billion. <laughs> it's such a huge number, you know? I mean, you it, can't, it is. You can't even compare, you know? It's so, um, and a trillion is, a, is about a trillion difference between a billion and a trillion. Um, but uh, so I want to get, dig a little bit more into this. And, you know, I, I'm not expecting, you know, all the answers off the top of your head. But and you mentioned a couple. But, you know, is this a combination of we talk about the fraud, the folks that are doing the fraud? Is this a is it leaning heavily more towards organized kind of things or is it just people applying for things they shouldn't really be eligible for? Or what, what's going on out there? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing all forms of that. I mean, there's been. Uh, news stories about, uh, you know, the international components to um, the unemployment uh, insurance fraud schemes. There are uh, international rings that have um, identified uh, um, flaws in state unemployment application systems. And if, um, you know, they usually will identify a a mule or a runner in the states um, to actually acquire the funds and then ship them overseas. So we've seen, you know, organized gangs, international gangs, and you've seen uh, individuals where the temptation was just too much for them. And for whatever reason, they, um, you know, applied for loans that they were not eligible for. Um, And, you know, all the cases that have been prosecuted to date are are the, you know, the most egregious ones, right? This is, you know, uh, blatant, uh, gross falsification of tax documents and employment records in the PPP area. Um, and then it's, you know, multiple IDs in the, in the unemployment insurance area. But, yeah, it runs the gamut from the most sophisticated international uh, type organized crime with uh, dark web components to, uh, you know, the, the guy down the street. Yeah, I mean, wasn't there a news story about, um, I think it was with PPP where 
a business owner basically just said, you know, I guess the application is relatively simple or so they just said, okay, we'll take the money. And then he went and bought a Lamborghini, like you said, something like that. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of stories of the uh, similar nature. And there was a, uh, you know, a, a, a well-publicized um, arrest of, a, of an NFL player uh, involving, I believe it was 90, you know, with associates and involved 90 different PPP applications, you know, for various businesses. So, uh, and, you know, um, we just, we just can't have that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's the same old story when, you know, I mean, you want to get the money out. It's very important to quickly get it out there, but that always, you know, means less controls and these things happen. But I mean, it sounds like you, IGs are out there, uh, trying to, trying to get a hold of it somehow or, or chase the money, unfortunately, I guess. But, but let me ask you this. Yeah, it, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, you know, and it's one of those things, you know, OMB very quickly, uh, issued implementation guidance. You know, the act was signed on the 27th of March and by April 10th, OMB issued implementation guidance. And, you know, they, they put in there, you know, it's page one they, that this idea of, you know, the need to balance speed with transparency and you got to balance these principles of mission achievement, expediency and accountability. Um, and certainly in the early days, um, um, you know, that balancing equation might be slightly different, but as time goes on, we have to build in these accountability mechanisms. We can't rely upon um, self-certification and, 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 and uh, you know, convince ourselves that that is an effective internal control or fraud prevention control. It is not. We've seen it time and time again. Self-certification may have some deterrent effect somewhere, but it is not an effective uh, fraud control. Right. Well, and, you know, let's not be all doom and gloom. I think there were some lessons we must have learned from things like Recovery Act. Uh, you know, is there some things that you guys kind of took from that to give you, you know, good ideas to implement for this case? Yeah, you know, there are. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the first thing is the philosophical approach of um, how can we enable citizen watchdogs because we can't do it all ourselves. It's it's like you're talking about the billion, trillion, million um issue, right? This is a lot of money. We're talking about a historic uh, amount of spending. It's the mother of all oversight missions. So the first thing is the philosophical approach is how do you enable citizen watchdogs? Well, you do that by making spending data transparent, right? And easily accessible. Um, how can you bring together IGs? Um, that was, you know, um, if you if you if you were to look at the Recovery Act and compare it to the CARES Act, you can see the tweaks that were made. Um, another thing is the is the the value of of data analytics, right? Let the data analytics do the heavy lifting for us. So, you know, we're in the process of building out a robust uh, analytics component. Um, you know, I think one of the the big things and and um, the positive thing, and I talked about it a little bit earlier, was that um, the CARES Act doesn't have us just focusing on the dollars. Like I said, it's the dollars and the coronavirus response because we're also dealing with the public health crisis. So, um, you know, I'm very proud to, to point to the IG reports that deal with the, the coronavirus response part of our mission, as well as the fraud part of our mission. So, um, but we are, you know, we're, we're moving forward. We staffed up very quickly. The act gave us uh, what we call, you know, certain superpowers, which are employment hiring flexibilities under Title V. And, we are using every one of those flexibilities from, you know, bringing on uh, rehired uh, or reemployed annuitants, um, 
bringing using our direct hire authority, we brought on a, a, a number of folks that had that worked at the recovery board. Uh, and we brought on people using direct hire, people from the private sector, some of the best brains out there from the private sector. Um, we've gotten detailees from agencies, so we've we've used it all to staff up very very quickly to tackle this problem. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you have to have that speed. Um, and yeah, I love the idea of data, data analytics. I mean, there's a lot of great things happening with artificial intelligence, machine learning. You know, maybe one day we could have sort of a real-time processor, you know, for these applications or certifications that, you know, the AI kind of says, oh, this looks fishy or this is a strange trend or this is a name I've seen somewhere else, you know. So I don't know if some of that's already in play or that's some things that you guys might look at. Look at. That's that's what we're visioning now, right? We've we're 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 a little bit limited on the data because we we don't operate uh, at the transactional level, uh, which is where you need to be to do uh, the most cutting edge work. But we we are looking. We just hired a chief data officer, and we are looking at the how do we use the latest technology to accomplish our mission. So we're excited about what the next couple of years is going to hold. Well, great. Well, we're happy to have you guys out there on the front line to trying to defend us from all these fraudsters and making sure these programs, you know, hopefully are successful. And, uh, you know, any last words of encouragement here before we sign off? No, I, my encouragement would be, um, you know, we're all in this together. It's your tax dollars. So, you know, please visit our website, pandemicoversight.gov, and reach out to us if you have any questions or you suspect fraud. Uh, It's your money. It's my money. We're all need to be in this together. So thank you very much for your time, Paul. Great. Thank you very much. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, we've got a whole bunch of podcasts. They're a little bit backed up here, so I'm going to be releasing them one after the other. So you guys will have a lot of fun stuff to listen to. PGACGFM.org or your favorite podcast uh, provider. And until next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Accountability Talks.